Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, believe it or not we have finally made it to the end of this miserable week. There is light at the end of the tunnel, warmer temperatures are on the way, and we can try to get life back to normal. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. We're covering it all from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There's a lot we can say about this long bout of extremely cold weather in the Texas High Plains, just not much of what we can say is good. I'm James Hunt, and I'll bring you that story on Texas Ag Today. Despite the arrival of winter storm Uri, spring calving season is still underway. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. The winter blast across Texas. While many are staying inside to keep warm, farmers and ranchers are facing the bitter cold. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller issued a dire warning this week about the impact of the winter storm on agriculture and the food supply chain. Commissioner Miller joins us, and Commissioner, tell us about this alert that you put out this week. Well, we're in a critical need to get some electricity to our processing plants, whether it be milk or poultry or egg or packing houses. Uh, there's already shelves at the grocery store. We're, we're running out of stuff to eat. We're pouring about $8 million worth of milk down the drain because all the milk processing facilities are, are at capacity and can't put out any milk. They can't pasteurize milk because they can't get natural gas. If they could, they couldn't get the electricity turned on to run the equipment. Well, Commissioner, it sounds like this is affecting all aspects of our food supply chain. Well, it is. We've, we've got food banks that are shut down. We can't get food to those most in peril. Of course, if you go to the grocery store, you won't see any, you know, if, if milk comes in, it flies right off. For the most part, those shelves are empty of any dairy products right now. Well, Commissioner, I know we're concerned about just getting through the next few days, but what can be done long term to try to keep this from happening again in the future? Well, we need to build. We need to be smarter about our power. We need to build more nuclear power plants. That's the cleanest power you can get. We need to get some of these uh, natural gas fired power plants back up and running. That, that's clean energy, too. We've shuttered those. We probably should never build another wind generator in Texas. We've got we've got more than we need and we've got too much right now. That's why we've got 30 percent of our power is off grid because it's not working. Texas Commissioner of Agriculture, Sid Miller. Thanks so much for joining us, Commissioner. You bet. Anytime. Thank you. God bless. If you're searching for a silver lining in this week's miserable weather, it could be that the snow and ice is bringing much needed moisture to drought stricken areas of Texas. But it might not be as much moisture as you think. James Hunt reports from the Panhandle. 
If we have to endure so many days with temperatures below freezing in the Texas High Plains, you'd at least like to believe the snow is delivering a lot of moisture. Well, perhaps not as much as we might expect. For example, National Weather Service numbers show the 7.4 inches of snow Amarillo received Tuesday netted just a quarter inch of actual precipitation. We've had this really cold Arctic air in place, and typically when we see this really cold air, in order for it to get this cold, it also has to be really dry. Interesting insight there from Weather Service meteorologist Aaron Ward. But another source, AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell, says the snow could serve to minimize the threat to area wheat we talked about yesterday. Much of the wheat is young, tender, sensitive, and is susceptible to extreme cold temperatures. But having that blanket of snow does help buffer that and protect the wheat. So, okay, there's a positive for the snow. But there's really nothing nice to say about our temperatures, especially if you have mama cows giving birth. Ranchers who are putting calves inside their own vehicles and hauling them to their house so that they can get them inside a heated area and warm them up and get them completely dried off before taking them back to their mom, that's pretty much the norm right now. And those extremes Hutchinson County Extension agent Christy Slough described ranchers going to are, in many cases, saving lives calves that are born outside, they depend upon air to dry them out. And the air is so frigid right now. We are seeing some calf loss and everything else if the ranchers aren't right there to provide the mama cows some assistance. The coming warm-up in the forecast can't get here soon enough. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Spring calves have been hitting the ground this week, and unfortunately, they've been hitting the snow and ice. Jessica Domel has more advice on spring calving success. Despite the arrival of winter storm Uri, snow and ice, cows are still calving across Texas. In many instances, ranchers are taking the newborn calves into their homes, barns, and garages for the night to ensure their safety from the bitter cold. Before this cold weather made its way into Texas, I spoke with Dr. Ron Gill, a livestock specialist and associate department head for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. He's also a Texas A&M University professor. He says in Texas, spring calving season begins in January and runs through March or April. He says if you have a cow that is pregnant, there are a few signs you can watch for that indicate that labor is about to begin. The first thing you'll see is restlessness. Cows will kind of be pacing a little bit. They'll be lying down, getting up, just shifting positions. And then they'll normally kind of start carrying their tail out behind them. Once they start in labor, then they'll normally just lay down and go to straining. But they get up and down a bunch during that process as well. But some other signs you'll see before that. Tail heads elevate as the pelvis starts to relax to allow the calf to come through. You'll start seeing elevation in the tail head. And then shortly before they calve, there will kind of be a real indentation between the pelvis and the tail head where you can see kind of a sunken place there. And that's a really good sign that it's getting pretty close. It's not saying it's imminent, but that's a, something most of them do before they calve. You'll see a, the cervical plug will come out and you a lot of times you'll see that on the hindquarters on the round of a cow and so you'll know that the cervical plug is opened up that means the cervix is starting to relax so normally within two or three days you'd see a calf come out uh, so that's kind of a some things that happen prior to labor starting and like i said they're not guarantees it's going to happen in two days or three days but that restlessness standing off by themselves 
you'll see see cows start looking for a place to have a calf probably a day or two before they have one they'll kind of scope out a pasture or paddock whatever they might be in and find them a place they'd prefer to have it those are things that i start looking for just something different than normal behavior is kind of the best way to to think about that if you start to see those signs in a pregnant cow, you might want to have a flashlight or headlamp or other light source on hand. 60 to 65% of cows go into labor at night. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. While many Texans have hunkered down inside to stay warm this week, Texas farmers and ranchers have faced the bitter cold each day to care for livestock. Gary Joyner tells how. The unprecedented winter blast that's gripping Texas has meant long days and long nights for livestock owners. While many are staying inside to keep warm, farmers and ranchers are facing the bitter cold. Ranchers are out breaking ice to make sure water is available for their animals. They're delivering extra protein to maintain livestock body temperatures. Others are helping newborn calves stay warm and survive. Without help, the calves likely won't make it. That's what we're doing, posted one rancher on Facebook. It's bitterly cold, but we owe that to our livestock. No matter the weather, farmers and ranchers are hard at work. They're dedicated to their job, their animals, the environment, and keeping the food chain connected in our country. Texas ranchers are there every day, but especially in days like this. Farmers in the Rio Grande Valley, which is home to more than 35 different fruits and vegetables, are facing below freezing temperatures too. This weather could be devastating to crops that can't withstand this kind of cold. And it's mentally and physically exhausting for farmers and ranchers. The bitter cold weather only adds more stress and work to an already demanding profession. But they'll keep at it as 2021 makes its mark in the history books. They will remember the extreme weather for its record low temperatures and inches of snow. But farmers and ranchers will also remember it by the number of animals they were able to help survive. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The recent run of below zero temperatures has been hard on all of farm country, making it hard to ship commodities. Mike Steenhook is executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. He says this unusually long cold snap is slowing things down. A lot of people don't understand the impact it has on rail efficiency. And clearly when you have snow or ice that has covered the tracks, you have to clear it and that all of a sudden imposes some inefficiency on the system. But what a lot of people don't appreciate is the impact of severe cold weather on the air braking system that trains rely on. And when the temperature does get so cold, the railroads are forced to shorten the length of their trains. They have to maintain the same amount of locomotive power, but you can't have such a long train unit. And he says the freezing weather makes it hard for barges to safely get through the locks and dams along main rivers. Think about every time you go through a, a lock and dam, there's crew members that have to get outside unlash parts of that barge flotilla to send it through. They essentially break it apart, send part of the whole tow or flotilla through one a lock chamber, and then they bring the rest of it through. Every time they go through a lock, that involves people being outside in cold weather. Obviously, there's ice accumulation because you're dealing with water on the inland waterway system. It just becomes all the more dangerous. Mike Steenhook with the Soy Transportation Coalition. The snow, ice, and bitterly cold temperatures aren't just affecting humans. They're affecting wildlife as well. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today. And as we've already mentioned, spring calves are now hitting the ground. 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has even more spring calving advice coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 20th through the 27th, and FFA students across the country will be sharing their stories. I'm Doster Harper, president of the National FFA Organization, and I'm from the state of Georgia. National FFA Week is a time to share what FFA is and the impact it has on members every day. And because FFA and agricultural education prepare students for careers, leadership, and the ability to face what the future holds, that impact is profound. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Spring calving season is getting underway in Texas, and boy, what a week it was to have calves hit the ground. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice on what to look for as those cows start dropping calves. It is important to understand the calving process to make good decisions for the cow and calf. Dr. Glenn Sell from Oklahoma State indicates that the first stage of labor is dilation of the cervix. Cervical dilation begins 2 to 24 hours prior to calving, and the uterine muscles are becoming sensitized to hormones to enable contractions. These initial uterine contractions are mild and mainly serve to dilate the cervix. And although these contractions usually go unnoticed, you may note elevation of the tail, switching of the tail, and increased mucus discharge from the vulva at the end of stage one. Also, the pelvic ligaments of each side of the vulva appear relaxed, and the tissues on either side of the tail head appear sunken. Stage two labor is defined as delivery of the fetus and begins with the fetus entering the birth canal and ends with the completed birth of the calf. So when you're watching the cow, stage two begins when you see membranes or the fetus at the vulva. Stage two is reported to last two to five hours in the cow, but stage two should not last that long because if it does, it usually indicates there's a problem. Another study indicated that most heifers calved within one hour and mature cows calved in less than 30 minutes after stage two labor began. If they did not see a response in this time period, assistance was used to aid in calving. So in most cases, if the calf is not delivered by a heifer in one hour or a mature cow in 30 minutes, assistance should be considered. The last stage is shedding of the placenta, and this should be accomplished in 12 hours, but if this does not occur, manual removal is not recommended. So call your veterinarian for other treatment options. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The cold temperatures aren't just affecting humans this week, it's affecting sea turtles as well. Jessica Dommel has more in today's Wildlife Report. Volunteers and Texas game wardens have been hard at work this week, rescuing thousands of cold-stunned sea turtles on the Texas coast. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, Texas game wardens assigned to Cameron County have rescued 141 sea turtles from the frigid waters in the Brownsville Ship Channel and surrounding bays. The Hill reports volunteers have rescued more than 2,500 sea turtles on South Padre Island. The turtles were taken in the back of volunteer vehicles to a conservation facility and to the convention center for care and treatment. The rescues were needed due to the extremely cold weather brought into Texas by winter storm Eur- Sea turtles are cold-blooded and unable to regulate their body temperature. So when the water temperature drops below 50 degrees, they get lethargic, have decreased motor skills, and are often unable to swim. This leaves the turtles vulnerable to predators and being hit by motorboats and personal watercraft. 
While they're cold stunned, the sea turtles may float ashore or become stranded. The rescued turtles are typically held until the water temperature rises again and they can be safely returned to the water. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is asking Texans to report any fish kills they find along the Texas coast. Earlier this week, the department suspended fishing for two days along the coast to protect resources during freezing weather conditions. The department reports that the freezing weather could kill game fish in shallow bay waters and can cause surviving fish to congregate in a few deeper areas where they become sluggish and prone to capture. Anglers and coastal residents who find fish that may have been killed by the freeze are asked to report that to the TPWD Law Enforcement Communications Office. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was another lower day for the cattle market on Thursday. However, we watched the cotton and wheat markets continue to climb. We'll take a closer look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 20th through the 27th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Anna Mathis from Arkansas. Because FFA and agricultural education prepare students for careers, leadership, and the ability to face what the future holds, the FFA impact is profound. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures ended in negative territory on Thursday. All of our contracts in the red with February live cattle down 17 cents, 115.12, the April down $1.22, 122.92, June live cattle down 85 cents, 119.77. Feeder cattle closing lower, March feeders down 22 at 138.20. April down a dollar, 141.75. The May down 62 cents, 144.62. Cash fed cattle market all quiet, still no sales reported. The feedlots are asking 116 on a live basis. Up north, they're asking 188 on the rail, but no sales to report so far this week. Boxed beef prices higher, choice up a dollar ninety nine, two thirty nine fifty. Select up a dollar seventy three, two twenty seven thirty seven. Well, it's been a rough week for the auction barns. Most of them shut down for the week, but Larry Marble has been taking a look back at last week's sales. He's walking the pens. Neighbor, it's time for another edition of Walking the Pens on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble, your host. Madison Bexley had a sale in Lockhart last week. Maddie, how'd it go? 283 head of cattle with 103 cows and 10 bulls, 55 sellers, and 31 buyers. Let's walk the pens. On the starter cows, we got along pretty good considering the weather. The good pairs would have brought from 1,000 to 12 and a quarter. The mediocre and middle aged from 5 and a quarter to 875. The good bred cows from 8 to 1,100. The mediocre middle aged and shortbreds from 4 to 775. Backer cows and bulls would have been 2 to 3 higher. The good high yielding cows from 6 
60 to 73, the medium yielding from 48 to 59, the low yielding from 25 to 47, the good high yielding packer bulls from 88 to 96, medium yielding from 75 to 87, low yielding and lightweight bulls from 60 to 74, and on the calves and yearlings, we got along real good, pretty much steady with a week ago uh, on a good active market. What are y'all planning for next week? Well, we don't have any plans yet. We're just going to kind of play it by ear and, and see what the weather throws at us. Hopefully we can have a sale, but anyway, we'll see. Well, tell everybody how to contact you. Yeah, Larry, you can always check us out on Facebook, or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. Thank you, Maddie. Maybe that's it for today's program. You've been listening to Walk in the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I'm your host. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. April hogs up two cents, closing at 84.92. The May contract up 15, 87.57. Class three milk was lower. February milk down a penny, 15.62. The March contract down 27 cents, 16.25. A hundredweight. The cotton market continuing to slowly climb. We hit new life of contract highs on Thursday. Strong demand, reduced COVID infections, and a very bullish technical chart all helping to move these cotton prices higher. March cotton up 24 points, 88.36. The May up 33, 89.93. December cotton up 19 points, closing at 85 cents even. The wheat market continues to seesaw back and forth. Traders still wondering how much damage this big cold storm has done to the winter wheat crop. Of course, it will be a few days before we get any reaction on what kind of damage may have been done. But until then, the market keeps guessing. July Kansas City wheat up 13 cents, closing at 6.46 and a half. July Chicago wheat up 12 and a half, 6.49 and three quarters. The corn market moving mostly sideways the last couple of days. March corn down two and three quarters, 550 and a quarter. September corn unchanged, 483 and a half. December corn down three quarters, 459 and a quarter. The energy market's lower. March natural gas down 16 cents, 305. March crude oil down $1.13 at 60.01 a barrel. The financial markets lower. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 110, 31,502. The Nasdaq down 91, 13,873. The S&P 500 down 15 at 3,915. That wraps up our markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, stay warm. We're almost out of this. Warm temperatures are on the way, and the cleanup can soon begin. Be sure to join us next time. We'll be right here bringing you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.